Welcome to church this morning. It is Resurrection Sunday. Are you excited to be here today, church? Amazing. He is risen. Welcome to those joining us online this morning. It is great to have you here today as well. You know, I was reading about this story in the Bible this morning and so moved by these women who went to the tomb to mourn and grieve over Jesus who had died. And when they got there, the stone had been rolled away. An angel was sitting there and he said, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen just as He said. Church, we worship a risen Jesus this morning. Amen. Amen. Let's stand and worship Him together. Buried beneath my shame. Who could carry? Who could carry that kind of way? It was my tomb. It was my tomb. Yeah, till I made you. I was breathing, but Chains break at the weight of your glory. 
The joy of our lives this morning is to magnify and praise Your holy name. We honour You and thank You that we can gather as Your people and celebrate this beautiful day, Resurrection Sunday. You are truly the risen living God. We praise You in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, church. Now is the time to welcome one another on Resurrection Sunday. You need to get your greeting ready this morning, church. He is risen. That's pretty good. We're gonna practice that as we welcome those around us. Online church, we wanna welcome you to today. Your host this morning is Helen. Helen would love to hear He is risen from you as well this morning. We have a kids talk from Ty this morning and kids, we would love you to come down the front now and get ready for Pastor Ty. Oh, I had a little message from James too. If you have seats near you and you are able to squish in a little bit to free up some more seats for people still waiting to get in, that would be a blessing as you sit down church. Thank you. Very good. For this kids talk, kids, I need you to come down the front. So wherever you're sitting, can you come down the front and sit? Very good, we have one already. Wherever you are, kids, come down the front. You can spread out, there's heaps of room down here. That is very good, because we have a special little kids talk today. So come down the front and take a seat on the ground. That is awesome, they're all coming now. I wanted to say a massive happy Easter. Jesus is alive, it is Resurrection Sunday, and that is very exciting. And for our kids talk today, kids, we have a bit of a challenge that we're going to do. And adults, you get to play with us. So do not think that you are left out this morning because you get to play this as well. So what's going to happen is there is going to be a picture that comes on the screen. And when it comes on the screen, I want you to see what you can see, okay, in that picture. Kids, you're going to turn to the person beside you and you're going to tell them what it is that you see in the picture. And adults, you get to do this too. So you can turn to the people beside you and maybe introduce yourself, say Happy Easter, and then tell them what you see in the picture. Okay, we have our first picture coming up on the screen. What do you see? Go. I'm gonna give you a little hint. There might be a couple of things that you see. I'm gonna give you 10 more seconds. Okay, very good. Your time is up. Believe it or not, what you can see in this picture, if you look at it now, is, you might've all seen this, but you can see a really nice black vase. That's beautiful. But you know what? There's also something else, believe it or not. I don't know if you can see it, but there's actually two people facing each other. Put your hand up if you actually saw both of those. Very, very good, hands down. Put your hands up if potentially you didn't see those. Very good, we have very humble children in this church. I don't know if any of the adults agreed with that, that they didn't see. Adults, I'll give you one more chance. Did anyone else not see that? Well, these adults are very intelligent. Oh, I had one person put their hand up. Bless your honesty. That's amazing. Okay, 
Don't worry, you're all having a lot of fun. This game continues. We have another picture coming up on the screen. Let's have a look at this one. Okay, I'm going to give you less time on this one. You only have five more seconds. Okay, very good. Your time is up. Okay, believe it or not, you might not be able to see this, but there is in fact two pictures. There is one of a lady, maybe a younger lady facing this way. And then there is an older, not old, I definitely didn't say old. There is an older lady and you can see her chin and you can see her nose and her lips. You might not see that. It might be hard to believe, but there is actually two pictures in the one. Put your hand up if you still can't see that. Yeah, that one's a bit more difficult. I agree, but trust me, believe me, there is two pictures, I promise, even if you can't see. Okay, we have our third and final picture coming up on the screen. Have a look at this one. Okay, very good. I'm giving you even less time for this one. The picture for this one is in fact a rabbit and a duck. Put your hand up if you saw both of those. Oh, that's amazing. Hands down. Put your hands up if you didn't see that. Don't worry, the first service I did not. So that is not a problem. There is two pictures in that. And as we look at that, you might have seen some of them. And it's hard to believe sometimes when there's two pictures in that, if you can't see it. It makes it very easy to believe when you can see. And did you know when Jesus rose again, when He came back to life from dying, one of Jesus' friends said, I won't believe until I see. And he did end up actually seeing Jesus and he felt his hands and then he believed, okay, Jesus, I trust you. But you know what Jesus said to him? Blessed are those who believe without seeing. And did you know, kids, many of us might not have ever seen Jesus before, but we believe that He is alive. And how do we know that? Because we can hear Jesus. Many of us have heard Jesus speak to us through the Bible, through Jesus just prompting things on our mind. For many of us, we've actually felt the presence of Jesus Maybe when we've been praying, we've just known that God is there with us. So I wanna say, do not, kids, we cannot let this stop us from believing Jesus because we might not have seen Him. Though there are many people that have seen Jesus in dreams and in visions. And I'm gonna give you guys a little bit of a gift. The church are giving you a little gift. And on it, there's this little card. And on the back, it says, He has risen just as He said. And kids, I want us to believe that, that Jesus is alive. And you know what? I wanna say this too. One of the coolest things I find is being part of the church, being part of the family of believers means that we can talk to other people, maybe that are a bit older, and we can ask them, how do you know that Jesus is alive? And it is one of the coolest things, kids, when you hear people telling stories of how they know that Jesus is alive. So I'm gonna pray 
And after I finish praying, you can just grab one of the gifts down the front here. I have some leaders here with the buckets and you can grab one. And I want you to keep this card beside your bed for you to remember that Jesus is alive. So you can talk to Him always. Let me pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank You that Jesus is alive. Thank You that we can believe You. Though we might not be able to see You right now, we know that You are alive and that You love us deeply in Your holy and Your precious Name. Amen. So kids, you can grab one of those gifts now and then you can head back to where your parents are sitting. Thank you, Ty. While the excitement's all happening down the front, I just had a couple of announcements to share with you, church. We kick back into Term 2 this week. There are plenty of things happening. If you haven't received a newsletter, there were some paper copies on your way in, but they are also available digitally. If you haven't signed up for that, we'd love to put you on the mailing list. Hello at bridgman.org.au. It'd be great to hear from you. I did want to especially mention though that there's a families camp happening in just two weekends time. Pastor Andrew's organising that. So maybe catch him today if you're still keen to sign up or send him an email. That's on the May long weekend and should be lots of fun for the families to gather together. I did want to just draw your attention too to our ladies breakfast coming up on the Mother's Day weekend and also a men's camp happening in May as well. Lots of things in the newsletter to keep an eye on there. Also, I just wanted to mention Pastor Peter, our founding pastor, is heading away on seven weeks long service leave starting today. Peter and Marie, we hope you have a really blessed and refreshing time away and look forward to having you back with us again soon. I don't know how we're going to do without you, but anyway. Um, each Easter time, we take up an appeal to support needs in our community. And this year, we really wanted to just ask church that we would come together and support those in Ukraine. There are two organisations who are on the ground there in Ukraine, OM and Australian Baptist World Aid. You can give tax deductibly um, to these organisations and know that that money is actually helping people right on the ground who are in crisis right at this very time. We would just love to support them generously. Church, I know you have a generous heart. There are giving stations at the back of the service and envelopes available at um, the tables at the back as well. Also options to do that online. Um, if you would prefer to do it that way. We know um, those who have a heart for the work of our church and the work that we do in blessing our community, our regular giving is available today as well at those stations and also online. I did just wanna pass on sympathy. Pastor Andrew just mentioned that Melissa Poiser's mum passed away this week. And Melissa, I'm not sure if you're here this morning or watching online today. We just want you to know that our thoughts and prayers are with you at this sad time. Church, let's pray together. Jesus, we, we are just in awe of who You are actually. That You're a God, even when we can't see You, You, you see us. Your eyes are on us. You're here with us today. And we sense Your presence here this morning. It's a joy a joy to worship our resurrected Lord and King. Lord, there are many on our hearts this morning that we long to know your power, the, that resurrection power 
that is available to each of us. And we're just gonna take a moment now just to lift up ones on our hearts today. Ask that you'd come near. Ask for a special touch from you, Jesus. Lord, we thank you that you're a God who hears our prayers. There are many on our hearts this morning. We especially wanna lift up today, Tracy, Joseph, Norman, Andreas, Pam, Lord, Paul. Lord, we just ask for a healing touch on these lives, God. For others that we've lifted up to you, Lord, may they know your presence. May they they see, have a vision of you, the resurrected Lord Jesus coming close to them. Lord, we pray for our hearts to be open to hear your word this morning. Thank you that you're a God who speaks to us and meets us here today. Lord, we thank you for the joy of children in our services today. We are just so blessed to be called your children as we gather in worship. We praise you and honour you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you missed it, there is actually a little children's handout, a colouring in and some pens at the door. If you, if you missed that this morning, don't hesitate to go back and get that now. There is creche also available for babies to three years old. If you need a hand to know where to go with that, please see one of our helpers in the foyer. We're gonna stand and continue to worship our great God this morning. Let's sing praise. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Praise God. You can grab a seat. I want to add my welcome to you. It's so great to have you sharing with us on this Resurrection Sunday. To those joining us online as well, we have something special this morning. Jesus is alive and He is still moving in hearts and lives today. And Chris is going to come and he's going to share a little of his story of how Jesus has transformed his life in a very powerful way. Every story, in fact, is a is a God story about what He has done in a person's heart. And this is why Jesus came. So I'd love it if you could make Chris feel really, really welcome as he comes to share his story with us this morning. He is risen. Happy Easter, everybody. 
John 21, 15 says, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. This chapter of John is often seen as Peter's reconciliation with Jesus. And these words will become my reconciliation with my heavenly Father. On the 19th of September, 2019, Joanne, my wife, Christina, my daughter, and I arrived at Bridgie. At the time, I thought it was a really good thing to do for the family. Little did I know that how much it was for me. At our very first service, something stopped me in my tracks. Pastor Nathan began his message on Psalm 23 by putting up a picture of a sheep. A sheep that had roamed the Canberran landscape for years, untended, unshorn, and lost. His name was Chris. I remember just pausing and then knowing that God was talking to me and I shuddered. I thought until Bridgie I was a good religious man, never missing a Sunday Mass, but in truth I was becoming aware that I was an increasingly angry man. For the first time at Bridgie I would weep in songs and in one particular song it felt false when I sang the words, I've known you as a father, I've known you as a friend. Almost a year after we came to Bridgie, I was asked to share some of my life story at Men's Shed. That was a can opener to something I had buried and thought I dealt with a long time ago. In 1980, I was five. My mother flew to Australia with my sister and I. We had only been told days before Dad had died of cancer and that we were coming to Australia. Over the next 10 years, we would move house every six months to a year, and each of them would come with a new man in my mum's life. It would also come with something that I didn't know the words till too much later, abuse. Some men were better than others, and depending who it was, dependent on what was done to us. And the result often was that we couldn't sit or that we couldn't get off the floor. After each relationship was over, I was told the men left because of me. And because of that, we had to move house again, change numbers, 11 schools, seven times our house was broken into and I was constantly bullied at school. They were hard years. Not long after sharing this part of my life at Men's Shed, I took the plunge to go to the men's retreat. As I listened to an ex-soldier's testimony, repressed memories and feelings came roaring back to life and I shook and I cried uncontrollably as memories flooded my mind. At that same camp, we were encouraged to do a course called Reconnected Men to help build a heart for God. And whilst I felt it was the very last thing that I wanted to do, I wanted to, to do this because I knew that God had put in my heart that I had to resolve John 21 in my life. About this third week into Reconnected Men program, I shared again my story on how I was abused and I tried to move on. When one man said, you know God would have been there. This was followed by another man and then another. In darkest night, 
he was always there. Rather than feeling at peace, I had this bitterness, rage within me, and I was doing my best to hold it all together again. And that night I went home, hurt. And as I knelt to pray that night, I said, God, where were you? Why, if you were there, why did you let us be hurt? Why did they hurt us? I kept saying that over and over again, angry, bitter, anguished. And then there was this peace. And as clearly as anything, I heard, I'm so glad you asked. I thought I had never questioned God, never blamed him for my past, never said a word to implicate him, but my own actions and the distance I put between my pain showed him that I did not trust him. I was like the prodigal in Luke 15, not the son that went away, but the one who stayed with his father. He acted like a son, but actually missed the most important thing, having a relationship with his father. I never talked to God about the very thing that hardened my heart, but kept him from a problem he was waiting for me to share. Because it's in the sharing of life, not just the giving and the taking, that we are one relationship with one another. I had depended on my own controls, my own will to mark my successes, and fueled by a desire to prove I wasn't worthless. I looked for substitutes in all the wrong places, then I'd get angry and it would reinforce that I was deserving of that pain. I've also blamed others and I have realised in the last 12 months I have even blamed God. My belief in my own controls and stoicism had created a self-prison of my heart. I mistook my hardness for strength and hardness became my false idol that kept me from a relationship with my heavenly dad and my family. When you have a hardened heart and believe in that strength, righteousness is based on judgment rather than God's heart, which is one of acceptance and mercy. I now know God watched and watches over me, patiently walking and sometimes carrying me in some of the most difficult parts of my life. Whilst I had worked tirelessly to be worthy of his love, he already loved me, even before I was born. I realised now he wanted me to have a new fuel, his eternal spirit in my life. So I let go of my own controls and surrendered to Jesus Christ, my Lord and my Saviour, which I declared at my recent baptism. I know that I have now been reconciled to my Heavenly Father, whose mercy never fails me and I know now that he will hold me tightly especially when I want to run again run away from love self-worth kindness because in them in him I find them do the memories of my past to cause my chest to tighten and create an uncontrollable wince yes Do I still feel worthless some days? Yes, that self-talk hasn't left me. But I now know my dad just wants me to lift up those burdens 
And the baptism was the start and not the end of that intentional and humble surrender to the Holy Spirit that had already brought peace and strength in my life. After my baptism, I felt God urging me to take time off to spend with family. So I left my job and decided to take three months with my wife and daughter. Now proving that I still have a little work to listen to God, exactly a month after my baptism, my mother was admitted to hospital for renal failure. And I was there for six weeks with her. In fact, the only visitor allowed in the hospital during the COVID lockdown, which was among the other great works God did during this time for me. But the real miracle was slowly but surely a relationship rebuilt over a past littered with pain that wouldn't have happened three years, not even a year ago. The words of that song that once seemed so false has come full circle and have become true to me. Chris, the lost sheep, is now found. God's goodness has not just run after me, He has caught me, all of me. And I can now say, just as Peter did to the risen Christ. Yes, Lord, Heavenly Dad, you know I love you. This is the difference Jesus makes in a person's life. He brings healing. He brings wholeness. Let me pray. Lord, we thank you for Chris's story. We thank you, Lord, that this is why you came. You came to redeem us, bring healing, bring wholeness, reveal your love to us. And now as we open your word together in these few moments we have left together, just speak, we pray. Wherever people are on the journey of faith and life, Lord, we know we want to speak. And so we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it's great to be sharing with you on this Resurrection Sunday. And I want to take a few moments just to look at some passages from God's word together. Um, and so, um, I don't know if you're aware, but often there's been a big discussion around, is, is the resurrection real? In the 18th century, there was a man called Gilbert West, who didn't like that a lot of his friends were becoming Christians. So he decided that he would write a book to disprove the resurrection, because he knew if he could disprove the resurrection, then he could disprove Christianity. He knew this. And so he set about researching. He started writing his book. Well, halfway through writing his book... He met Jesus, and so he ended up writing his book the other way around, is what he did. In the 19th century, there was a very famous atheist in America called Ingersoll. And he had a good friend, and he didn't, he didn't like the fact that, that Christianity was growing in momentum, more and more people were coming to faith. And he had a good friend who was a very famous general called General Lou Wallace. And he said to his friend, you've got to help me out. Let's undermine Christianity. Why don't you write a book to disprove the resurrection. So Lou Wallace began to write this book, but he actually had a wife who was a Christian. His wife was praying for him while he was writing his book. He got to chapter four of his book and he met Jesus. So he wrote his book the other way around as well. In the 20th century, there was a lawyer and a journalist called Frank Morrison. He decided that he wanted to once and for all, completely disprove Christianity. He knew the only way to do this is to disprove the resurrection. 
And so he, as a journalist, um, knew how to do research. Also, as a lawyer, he knew how to craft a strong argument. And so he started to collect all the evidence. But halfway through writing his book, he met Jesus as well. So he wrote his book the other way around. It's called Who Moved the Stone? And then in 1990, there was a man by the name of Lee Strobels whose wife became a Christian. And he was not impressed with this at all. And so he thought, well, how can I prove to my wife that this is just crazy thinking what she is going on with all this Jesus stuff. And so he said, as a, as a Yale Law graduate, as a journalist of the Chicago Tribune, he set about to disprove the resurrection because he clicked on quickly. If I can disprove the resurrection, then I can prove to my wife this is all crazy. So he began to research using his skills began to collect all this evidence together. And the more he investigated, the more he became convinced that Jesus actually did rise from the dead. And he met Jesus also. So he wrote his book the other way around. It's called The Case for Christ. So if you're in a hurry to meet Jesus, try and write a book to disprove the resurrection. That's, that's the point. 1 Corinthians 15 says this. Let me read it to you this morning. It says, and if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. This is God's word to us this morning, Resurrection Sunday. Praise God for his word. Some time ago now as a family, we had a, a lunch, uh, a picnic lunch at Cedar Creek. And on the way out to Cedar Creek, we pulled into the shop to grab a barbecue chicken to have, have on some bread rolls. And I ducked into the shop, so I bought the barbecue chicken, I came to the register, and then the lady asked me after I'd paid for it, did I want a receipt? And I thought about this for a moment, I thought, I've already got a wallet full of receipts, I'm about to, we're about to eat this chicken, I'm definitely not going to bring it back, so I said to her, no, don't worry about it, I don't, I don't need a receipt, and I ducked out of the store. But I only just got out of the store, and I remembered that I had to buy mayonnaise as well to go with the chicken and the bread rolls, and so I had to go back in. But suddenly I realized I didn't have a receipt to prove that I'd bought the chicken that I had in my hand. I don't know if you've ever had this experience, but I walked back in very tentatively back into the shop. I grabbed the mayonnaise and I was just hoping that the same lady who served me was still at the register. So as I came, I could see that she was no longer there. She'd gone for a break in that little short period of time. I thought, what am I going to do? So I went up very tentatively to the register and I explained to the lady that I already bought the chicken. I just didn't get a receipt for it. Thankfully, she believed me and I was able to get out of the store okay and I didn't have to buy it again. I didn't think I'd stolen anything. But I don't know if you had that experience where you don't have the receipt, the proof of purchase. It can leave you feeling quite uncertain and uneasy. And you know, it can be exactly the same when it comes to our, our spiritual journey. Our journey of life, particularly when we think about what comes next in this life. What is life after death? And Paul here is actually saying to us that we can have an assurance that actually God offers us a guarantee, a receipt sealed, stamped, that we can take to give us an assurance. And he says the guarantee is the resurrection. 
He's saying here the resurrection is the ultimate proof for us that all the promises of God are true, that everything Jesus has done for us is sufficient. Paul here is actually writing to a group of people in Corinth who are having real trouble believing in a physical resurrection. And the reason for this is because Greek philosophy, in which they were um, immersed in, believed that there was no such thing as a resurrection. They believed that when a person died, that actually their body ceased to exist, but their soul went on to live forever. This is called dualism or mysticism. And they thought that the physical was actually evil and corrupt, and it was only the soul that was intrinsically good. They saw death as freeing us from our evil, corrupt bodies. And so the Greeks were brought up with this philosophy, and even those who had come to faith in Jesus were struggling to believe that people would actually rise from the dead. Surely it can't be real, it just must be something symbolic. And a lot of people still have this view of the resurrection, that it wasn't literal, but it's just something symbolic, a fresh start, a new beginning. But Paul is saying to them, you need to understand the resurrection is real. That Jesus did rise from the dead and without the reality of the resurrection, our faith is futile. And the reason that Paul is so adamant about this is because he knows that the resurrection is our guarantee. It is our signed, sealed receipt. He knew that it was the resurrection that convinced the disciples that everything Jesus had spoken about and promised was true. If you know the gospel accounts after Jesus' death, before Jesus had made his resurrection appearances to them, they were living in fear. They were scared. They were in hiding. They were, they were dis, dis, distancing themselves from Jesus. But then Jesus appeared to them in his resurrected body and everything changed for them. They knew in that moment it was all true. Everything that Jesus had spoken about, every promise he had spoken, they knew it was true. And literally just in a moment, they were transformed from this scared group of people fearing for their lives to become this bold, courageous witness to the good news of the gospel that Jesus had died for their sins and he had risen again to bring new life. And they would literally go on to turn the world upside down. And here today, we are gathering with billions of believers around the world because the disciples encountered the resurrected Christ. What changed them? What convinced them? It was the resurrection. They knew, they had their assurance, their guarantee, and now nothing could shake them, not even death itself. And many of them gave their lives to testify to this good news. And so Paul is explaining in this, this passage here that the resurrection is proof, it's our guarantee of all that Jesus has done for us. Paul says the resurrection is this assurance that Jesus' sacrifice on the cross for us was enough and was accepted by God. The first thing that Paul speaks about here that the resurrection is proof of, he says it's a guarantee, firstly, that our sins have been forgiven. Verse 17, let me read it again. It says, And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. If we flip that around, it says, Well, if we know that Jesus has been raised, then we can know with assurance that our sins have been forgiven. And the reason for this is because the resurrection is proof that Jesus' sacrifice has been accepted by God as full payment for sin. St. Jerome, one of the early church fathers, had a dream one night that Jesus visited him. And in the dream, Jerome collected all of his money and he offered it to Jesus as a gift. 
But Jesus said to him, Jerome, I don't want your money. And so Jerome collected up all of his possessions and he tried to give them to to Jesus. But Jesus said to him, Jerome, I don't want your possessions. And so in his dream, Jerome then turned to Christ and asked, well, what can I give you? What, What do you want? And Jesus simply replied, give me your sins. That is what I came for. I came to take away your sins. And that is exactly what John the Baptist declared. John chapter 1, verse 29. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Only Jesus came for this purpose. Every other religion says, give me your best, but Jesus comes. He says, give me your worst. I want to take your sins, your guilt, your shame, your brokenness. I want to take them for you. In exchange, I want to give you healing and life eternal. The resurrection is proof that Jesus' sacrifice has been accepted by God as full payment for sin. We are forgiven. Romans 4.25 puts it like this. He was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. We have a guarantee. Sins forgiven because Jesus rose again and there is now no condemnation. Some of you need to hear that this morning. There is now no condemnation. When we are in Christ Jesus, we can have full assurance of faith this morning. The second guarantee the resurrection brings us is this. Paul says it brings us the guarantee that death has been defeated now and that this life is not all that there is. Verse 19 It says, if only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. I stumbled across an article, news article recently called, uh, with the heading, Can Science Cure Death? And it got me interested, so I started to read. And this is what it said. Nick Sarajev is 25 years old, far too young, it would seem, to be thinking about death. And yet, since he turned 21, he has taken steps to prevent the infirmities of old age. Every day, he takes 2,000 milligrams of fish oil and 4,000 IU of vitamin D to help prevent heart disease and other ailments. He steams or pressure cooks most of his meals because he says charring meats creates chemicals that may increase the risk of cancer. And in winter, he keeps the humidity of his home at 35% because dry air chaps his skin and makes him cough, both of which he considers manifestations of chronic inflammation, which may be bad for longevity. Given the exponential advances in microprocessors, he says, and smartphones in his lifetime, he insists the biotech industry will figure out a solution in the next 50 years as to how we can live forever. For this reason, Sariev plans to keep his body in good enough shape to hit longevity escape velocity, a term coined by English gerontologist Aubrey de Grey to denote slowing down your aging enough to reach each new medical advance as it arrives. And then it said this, one commonality among people who advocate for longer human lifespans is an intolerance of death even as a concept. Interesting article. You know, the Bible tells us that there has always been a danger that humans would live in denial of their own death. 3,000 years ago, the psalmist put it like this, Psalm 90 verse 12. It says, Lord, teach us to number our days so that we may gain a heart of wisdom. You know, intellectually and rationally, we know, we all know we're going to die, but 
but deep down we repress it, don't we? We try not to think about it. We often act and live as though we are going to live forever, just like Nick in that article there. But the Bible says it is not wise to act and to think as though we're going to live forever. We are all going to face death. It has been said that all the wars and plagues have never raised the death toll. It has always been and always will be 100%. It's not wise to live in the denial of the reality of death because it faces it all. And secondly, this article highlighted for me another truth which the Bible speaks about, and that's this, that there is something deep within all of us that knows, it says death is not right. Death is not the way it was meant to be. It's cruel, it's, it's wrong, and our grief in the face of death is evidence of this. The article finished with these words and gave great insight as to where they were coming from. Many proponents of super longevity remember the, f- the moment they first learned that a family member would die. And will tell you their refusal to accept it has led to a lifetime searching for a solution. You see, there's something deep within all of us that knows death is not right. Death is not the way it's meant to be. We were, we're created to, let, to live forever. The Bible says this is true. Ecclesiastes 3.11 says that he has planted, God has planted eternity in our hearts. And that's why we have this experience. That's why we know deep down that death is not the way it's meant to be. But I want to tell you this morning, Paul is saying, we, there is some good news, and the good news is the resurrection. We can have assurance that this life is not all there is. This week on Tuesday, just gone, I had the privilege of attending the funeral service of Brian Rice. Brian and his wife, Carol, have been a part of our church family here at Bridgman for many years. They were married for just two weeks short of 50 years. How amazing is that? 50 years of marriage. Around 12 months ago now, Brian was given the diagnosis that he had pancreatic cancer. And he was told that he had around 12 months to live. And just after his diagnosis, I went to visit him in the hospital. It was just the two of us together in his room. And he shared with me what the doctors had just recently told him. And I asked him, I said, well, Brian, how, are you, how do you feel about this? And he explained to me, he said, you know what, Nathan, I've got an incredible peace, incredible peace He shared with me about the confidence that he had that he knew that this life is not all that there is. The death is not the end for those who are in Jesus. And I want to tell you, it was inspiring to hear him share, to share with him as he faced the reality of death. And it wasn't just me that was impacted. I know that many of the nurses and the staff in the hospital and friends and family members were all influenced by this assurance, this peace that Brian had. I want to tell you, and so many who knew Brian can testify to this, or spoken a lot about at the service on Tuesday, that over that 12 months of declining health, I want to tell you that his faith, Brian's faith and confidence did not wane, but it only grew stronger and stronger as his body grew weaker and weaker. It was incredible. Why did Brian not fear death? How could he have such a confidence Well, two reasons. The first is this. He knew, Brian knew that his sins had been forgiven because of the resurrection. He knew that Jesus' sacrifice had brought him forgiveness. Brian lived this incredibly good life. It was amazing to hear about all the things he had done. He was a a devoted dad, a, a loving husband. He was always helping people. He'd won awards in the community for just the things he'd done to help others. He was so active here in the church. Truly an amazing life. But Brian knew that all of his good deeds were not enough. Brian knew 
in his heart that he wasn't perfect and he was quite free and open to talk about that with people as good as he looked he knew he wasn't perfect he knew that he was a sinner but Brian knew this truth he knew that it's not good people who go to heaven it's forgiven people and Brian knew that his sins had been forgiven you know Chris explained this exact same truth in his story as well he talked about the fact that he, he, he thought himself as a religious person, but really, in reality, he was becoming more and more angry. And he said this. He said, I had to depend on my own controls, my own will, to mark my successes and been fueled by this desire to prove I wasn't worthless. Then I realized it, wasn't a, it was not about making myself worthy of his love, but rather learning that he loved me just as I was. I know that I have now been reconciled to my heavenly Father whose mercy never fails. See, Chris knows this same truth. It's not good people who go to heaven, but it is forgiven people. The second reason Brian had no fear of death was because he knew this good news of the resurrection meant that this life is not all there is. He had assurance that when he passed from this life, he would be more alive than ever in the very presence of his Saviour. You see, the resurrection is good news because it brings us the guarantee that this life is not all there is, that death is not the end. If we have come to place our faith and trust in Jesus, we can have eternal life in him. That is why Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. And you can know this assurance in your heart as well. And the final guarantee the resurrection gives us is that all creation will be redeemed and we will receive perfect resurrection bodies as well. And I love this truth. This is just so exciting. Let me read to you verse 20 again. It said, But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. Paul is saying here that Christ's bodily resurrection guarantees the future bodily resurrection for all believers. Every person has put their faith and trust in Jesus. Right? Just as the first fruits, this, this term first fruits he uses, just as the first fruits of a harvest foreshadows more of the harvest that is to come. In the same way, he is saying Jesus' bodily resurrection is a guarantee for us that all the others who follow um, Jesus, we too will experience a bodily resurrection as well. And when Jesus appeared to his disciples following his, his death, after his resurrection, he appeared to his disciples. He, he ate food with them. If you read the gospel accounts, he drank with them. They touched him. And there's a reason for this. Jesus wanted to be very clear that he had a physical resurrection body. And in doing this, Jesus wanted his followers to know that the resurrection is not about just going into some spiritual state in heaven when we float around. No, he says it's physical. It's a new heavens, a new earth. Jesus is renewing all of creation. The physical matters, Jesus is saying. And we're going to receive perfect resurrection bodies. And I tell you, this is amazing news. This is the most wonderful news. Johnny Erickson is a Christian woman who was paralyzed from the neck down in a terrible accident when she was 18. So she is a quadriplegic and is in a wheelchair. She writes that one time she was at a large meeting in which the leader of the podium said, let's kneel to pray. Let's kneel before God. 
So everybody knelt down, but of course she couldn't because she was in her wheelchair. She suddenly realized that she couldn't and that she would never kneel. The thought came into her mind, I am never going to be able to kneel before God. And she just burst into tears. Then she writes, but then I remembered the resurrection. Just before the party gets going, the wedding feast of the Lamb, the first thing I plan to do on my resurrected legs is to drop on grateful, glorified knees, kneel quietly before the feet of Jesus, and then I'm gonna be on my feet dancing. Can you imagine the hope, she writes, this gives someone with a spinal cord injury like mine. Can you imagine the hope this even gives someone who lives with a lifelong illness or some other physical disability? No other religion promises new bodies, a new material universe. Only in the gospel of Christ do people hurting like me find such enormous hope to live. Praise God. Do you see what she's saying? She's saying we're not going to float in the kingdom of heaven. It's new heavens, new earth. You're going to eat. You're going to drink. You're going to run. You're going to dance. You're going to sing. You're going to hug new heavens, new earth, new bodies. This is truly good news. Tonight, Nathan Ford is going to be baptized. Because of his cerebral palsy, he is restricted to a a wheelchair. His mind is sharp, but his body is weak. And we're going to have to help and support Nathan to get into that baptism pool tonight but I want to tell you nothing will stop him getting in there he is so pumped in his words to get baptized tonight and so I didn't want you to miss out on his powerful story of what Jesus has done in his life so as we close this service I want you to hear his story his testimony of the difference that Jesus has made for him let's watch this story together this is my story I was born into a great parents that supported me all my life. I was born with their body and they were made my life challenging. My old school in life was particular is really hard. People saw my wardrobe before they saw me. People thought that what I physically disabled that what that am I in the legendary disabled? Oh, boy. Oh, boy, school is hard. I have good friends to help me. One of my friends that invite me to church. I have no idea what I'm walking through. But by the end of the night, I met all the new people I love socializing into. It was here I met one of my closest friends, mate, Jack. I, I feel like people have viewed it more faithful and accepted of me. I suppose I belong straight away. Is the community what I've always been looking for. I could not wait to vote East Friday night. I wish I'm an encouraged leader at all. Like, like Andrew Kutis and John, they helped me a lot through it and 
of Ajmer to follow him the rest of my life. How good is that? You know, there's been moments here on a Sunday night where Nathan just wanted to praise Jesus. You know, some of the young people have been down the front jumping around. He's come down in his wheelchair and he's spun around down the front here. It's such a sight to see. But I want to tell you, the good news of the resurrection for Nathan is that he is going to receive a new resurrection body. He's going to receive a new body. He's going to be able to run and he's going to be able to dance and he's going to be able to sing before his Savior. He's going to be able to kneel before his King. And the resurrection of Jesus means he's not going to miss out on anything. Do you see how good news, what good news this is? What amazing news the resurrection is. And I can't think of a better day for Nathan to be baptised than on Resurrection Sunday to declare the truth that this is what the resurrection means for us. New heavens, new earth. Jesus making all things new including new resurrection bodies. No one needs to miss out. Doesn't this make your heart sore, church, news like this? It is the best news in all the world. The best news in all the world. And so let me ask you this morning, this Resurrection Sunday, do you have an assurance like that? Do you have that guarantee? Have you taken hold of this gift, the gift of assurance, this receipt, signed, sealed, through the resurrection that is on offer for every single one of us. Do you know with certainty in your heart this morning? Do you know with assurance in your heart that your sins have been forgiven? Or are you still living under guilt and and condemnation? Because Jesus says to you this morning, come, give me your sins. Let me take your brokenness. Let me bring healing just like Chris's story. He says that to you this morning. Or maybe you've been living under the illusion that it's good people who go to heaven. This morning, I pray you've heard so clear, it's not good people, it's those who have been forgiven. And you can experience that forgiveness and the assurance of that because of the resurrection. Maybe you're here this morning and when it comes to death, there's a fear there for you. There's an uncertainty. You're not sure about what happens when you pass from this life. Well, because of the resurrection this morning, Jesus says, I wanna give you the guarantee. I wanna give you an assurance in your heart that you can know that this life is not all there is. That death is not the end. You can have a peace and a confidence just like Brian in the face of death that there is more. There is eternal life in Jesus. And you can know that in your own heart. It's a credible gift that Jesus wants to give you this morning. If you'll come to Him in repentance and faith, receive the forgiveness that He offers. And finally, this morning, do you have this assurance that one day creation will be redeemed, including our own bodies? And that there is coming a time where there'll be no more pain, no more suffering, no more tears, no more brokenness in our world because Jesus is coming to make all things new, to redeem all of creation. That is what eternal life is all about. Praise God. Because Jesus rose again. You can know this assurance in your heart this morning. Jesus wants you to receive this gift. That's why He said, I am the resurrection and the life. Will you stand with me as I pray? Conclude our time together. Oh Lord Jesus, these are the most wonderful truths in all the world. You are alive. We know it in our hearts, Lord. We know this to be true. And so Lord, I wanna pray this morning, maybe some here, have never had that assurance of forgiveness of sins. If that's you this morning, just now in your heart, I want you just to pray, just to say, Jesus, take my sins. Forgive me, take my brokenness, take my pain. 
come to Him this morning. In return, He just wants to give you His peace this morning. Others here this morning who have no assurance about life beyond the grave, well, Lord, I pray this morning, they too would just come to You now. They would know this assurance because of the resurrection that You have conquered sin and death. And we can live forever with You. And Lord, those who are living in the pain and brokenness of this world, limitations, maybe sickness, whatever it might be, Lord, I pray this morning they would in a fresh way just give that to You knowing, Lord, because of the resurrection. We are gonna have new resurrected bodies. All pain and suffering is gonna be gone. We keep our eyes fixed on You, Jesus. So pour out Your blessing, Lord, now. We thank You for these truths. We thank You that You're alive, that You're gonna live forevermore. We thank You that You conquered the grave. The grave is empty this morning that You are the living God, that death has been defeated. And so we join with all the heaven, praising Your Name this morning. This Resurrection Sunday, we worship You because death has been defeated. Let's sing, church. Let's sing together.
worship Him this morning. Oh Lord Jesus, our hearts soar this morning because of these truths, Lord, which we know to be true in our hearts. And so now bless each one, Lord. Bless each one, I pray. May the, the awareness, the reality of this, Lord, just grab hold of our hearts afresh this morning, I pray. And so Lord, we just pray each and every one, Lord, would just be so aware of your nearness, your love in these moments, I pray. And I ask this in Jesus' Name, Amen. Please be seated. If you wanna know more about how to have that assurance in your heart as you leave this morning, there's Bible gift packs, the Alpha course. I wanna encourage you to do that. If you're online, you can reach out to us as well. We'd love to encourage you as well on your journey. But God bless you. Thanks for sharing with us. You're welcome to come out to see Nathan baptised tonight as well or join us online. But God bless. We look forward to sharing with you again soon.